Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in all our Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In you, Lord,
us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you knit together your faithful people of all times and places into one holy communion, the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant us so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that together with them we may come to the unspeakable joys you have prepared for those who love you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading of the Holy Scriptures. The first reading appointed for this All Saints Day observed is from the book of Revelation, the seventh chapter. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Our second reading from St. John's first epistle, the third chapter. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. 
This is the word of the Lord. According to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this All Saints Day of Observance is the first chapter of Colossians verse 12 where the Apostle Paul inspired by the Spirit of God says give thanks unto the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his saints in light. This is our text. Dear friends in Christ, a question for you history buffs. Who was the oldest man to ever go into space? Who was he? If you're thinking John Glenn, you're right. Eight years ago this weekend, at 77 years of age, John Glenn became the first U.S. Senator to orbit the Earth. Now, I know that there are probably a few of us, and perhaps more than a few of us, who would like to see a lot of Senators orbiting the Earth, <laughs> and probably staying there much longer than John Glenn did. But he's the only one to have done it, and he indeed did do it. And of course, he was qualified to do so, qualified in good part, because he had done it before qualified in good part because he had done it back in 1962 when he was the first American to orbit planet Earth. And then 37 years later he did it again sailing through 144 laps at 342 miles above the Earth in the Space Shuttle Discovery which was his home above home for a glorious nine days in fact, so glorious a time was it for John Glenn that three hours into the flight, ground control asked the orbiting 77-year-old astronaut, Senator, how he was doing, and he replied, I feel fine. Today is beautiful. It's great. I just can't even describe it. After which, Kurt Brown, the shuttle commander, added his status report, and he said, let the record show that John Glenn has a smile on his face from ear to ear, and we haven't been able to remove that smile yet. What a fascinating experience that must have been for John Glenn, to be able to repeat it twice, to do what so few do. And how fitting, whether they knew it or not, that all of that was occurring just a few days before what we celebrate as All Saints Day, the day that, of the church year when the thoughts of God's people also soar heavenward, the day when we dwell for a time upon our home above this home and upon all of those who by faith have already gone there before us, all of those who are now experiencing far more than John Glenn could have experienced and what he did, experiencing those gloriously exciting sights and those gloriously exciting sounds, those, those heavenly things that St. Paul tells us and speaks of so eloquently in Scripture when he says that they are seeing those things which I here hath not seen, and those saints in heaven are hearing there those things which we here on earth do not hear. And those saints in heaven are experiencing things there that we here on earth have not and cannot experience. Those are the things that await those whom God loves and who love him. And when you think of all of those things that the saints of heaven even now are experiencing, those who have gone on before us, it brings a smile to our face, but to their face, those who are there, it is indeed a smile that won't be removed. 
And that's the status quo. That's the existing condition. That's the current state of affairs for each and every saint of God who is already there enjoying that humanly expressible experience of heaven, our home above home as we're away from it for a while. And what's more is though none of us will ever experience what John Glenn experienced twice in outer space because none of us may ever qualify to do that flight, we all, we all through faith in Jesus Christ will experience those far greater experiences which heaven saints experience today because our text for today tells us that God is the qualifier. God is the one that qualified you, and he's qualified me, and he qualifies all of his own, all that would bear that title, saints. God is the qualifier around here, and the only one. God is the one, it says, who qualifies us. As we heard Paul say in our text, God is the one who qualifies us to share in that inheritance of the saints in light. And how is it done? What makes someone a saint? What enables you to be able to leave here today bearing that great and wondrous title? Well, first, you can be certain that it's not because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, not because of what we might ever in the course of our years here on earth do, as though sainthood were something that we could merit or we could accomplish on our own. The making of a saint is the exclusive right and the exclusive prerogative of Almighty God. It's what He, by His work, not what we, by our work, do. Luther addresses this so plainly, clearly, this idea of saintless, saintliness being the result of what man himself can do, and, and Luther will have nothing to do with it because he grew up believing that he could accomplish that. And we even hear of it yet today, of people becoming saints and running the fast track and becoming saints quickly before others in times past have. Luther says all this nonsense, and that's what he calls it, all this nonsense, he says, stems from the old notion that when we hear of saintliness, we have to look for only great splendid works of pious men and gaze at the saints in heaven as if they had earned it, and as if they had merited it. But we, Luther says, speaking of those who shared his confession, we, Luther says, we say that the real saints of Christ must indeed be good, stout sinners. Sinners who became saints through a foreign righteousness through something that wasn't theirs, but from outside of them, an alien righteousness, a, a foreign holiness, he says, namely through that holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is given to them by faith and thus becomes their own. So far, Luther. You see, saints are not self-made, as though they can claim their title as something that they have accomplished, like we do with master's degrees or bachelor's degrees or PhDs or whatever it might be. Your title as saint, and there is none greater, is a gift that has been given to you by God. Saints are God-made. They're sinners like us who, according to our text today, are qualified by God to share in the inheritance of heaven.
what we, because of our sinful nature, could never make of ourselves, God has made of us. Because only God's, God's got what it takes to take what we've got and to make us into something that we could never have made ourselves into. Only God can do that. After all, what could we possibly do to undo what sin has done to us? perfect example of that is every little child has been brought up to this font in the years of our history as a congregation. What could any little child do that any of you carried up to this font? What could that child have done for itself? What possibly could it do for itself in its sinful mortality with which you brought it? It could do nothing, absolutely nothing for itself. But scripture says, when the kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done or do in righteousness, but rather according to his mercy, how by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out, baptismal talk, upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of everlasting life. That's how you become an heir of righteousness. That's how you get that inheritance of the saints because God has done it for you through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Any parent who has come to this font or any other font in all of Christendom bearing in arms a little sinner walks away from the font of God's regeneration grace by bearing a saint, a brand new one. Doesn't that truth put a whole new light then and what St. John writes in our first lesson for today when he talks about the, the multitude of white-robed saints, you bring up a child to the font, often they're wearing that white robe, or they at least would be wearing that white robe. And they're counted then among that multitude of white-robed saints that no one could number from all tribes and peoples and languages. And then as we heard in the lesson, one of the elders addressed me, St. John writes, and he says, who are those clothed in white robes? And from whence have they come? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. And he said unto me, These are those coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes, and they've made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And how often you've witnessed that washing happening. How often you've witnessed the making of a brand new saint right here as God, through his mighty word, working in connection with earthly water, links a little sinner by faith to Jesus Christ, even to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross, where the sinner then is bathed in and by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and clothed with the white robe of Christ's righteousness. It's all a miracle that happens. Miracles unseen by the world, but seen only by faith of God's people. A miracle conversion of a sinner into a saint by the veiled and the hidden power of God's almighty word working. And you have seen it happen so often before. In fact, perhaps it happened to you right here. 
But whether here or elsewhere, the apostolic statement stands, all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves in Christ, St. Paul says, all of you made saints by the inscripturated word of God, doing its work connecting you to the incarnate in the flesh word of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is what makes you, and alone, what makes you holy. Professing that truth for all the world to hear, our Lutheran confessions put it this way. Listen carefully. For the word of God, they say, is the sanctuary above all sanctuaries. Yea, it's the only one which we Christians know and have. For though we had the bones of all the saints, or though we had all holy and consecrated garments of the saints upon a heap, still that would help us nothing. For all that is a dead thing which can sanctify and make no one holy. But God's word, Luther says, and the confessions repeat, God's word is the treasure which sanctifies everything and by which even all saints themselves were made holy. At whatever hour then God's word is taught, at whatever hour it is preached, heard, read, or meditated upon, there the person, day, and work are sanctified thereby not because of the external work, but because of the word which makes saints of us all. Because of the word that makes saints of us all. The scriptures do indeed teach exactly what our confessions say they teach. They teach that we who are still living here on earth, who have faith in Jesus Christ, are the saints of God. 70% of the time that the word saints is used in the New Testament. 62 times it's used, 43 times, 70% of the time it's used of those who are living and calls them saints. Only 30% of the time is it used of those who are in heaven above. Saints is a title that is rightly ours. And this notion that still is here in our day that saints should be prayed to as intercessors to God, this notion of some special canonized crew of saints to be prayed to is, as Luther once said, a shameful abomination. And so, as Luther said we should do, reclaim your title. Reclaim your title as saints because by God's grace that's what you are. Reclaim the title. That's what God has called you. And think of yourself as being a saint. Sure, you're a sinner. But we're sinners who have been made, made saints by the grace of God. What a difference it would make, wouldn't it, if we would all consistently think of ourselves as the saints and sinners simultaneously that we are? What a difference it would make if we thought of one another as being the saints and Yet the sinners that we can see and experience in our lives that we are, how differently we treat each other. How differently we'd speak of each other and work with each other. How differently we would live with each other as we thought ourselves consistently as being God's saints as well as being the sinners that we see before us. The sinners that we know we are. What a difference it would make as we face the temptations of life and the struggles of life. The struggles with sin and the obstacles and the challenges that life throws at us if we only would remind ourselves daily by God's grace, we're his saints. 
What a difference it would make because the Lord has claimed already, as the psalmist says, that God does not forsake his saints. They, he says, are preserved forever. Indeed, as a saint of God, even death, which ultimately comes to us all, even death cannot deny me, it cannot deny you, the inheritance, which our text says that God has in Christ already qualified you and me to share. Because, as the psalmist says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death even of his saints. And speaking of the death of the saints, I met with someone only a week ago who wanted to inform me of a couple of special requests for their funeral service. It reminded me of the familiar story that many of you will recall about the, the story of the elderly gentleman who called the pastor to his house to discuss his funeral service. And he asked the pastor if, for his counsel in selecting hymns that would comfort his family, hymns that would glorify his Lord. He told him what his favorite verses of scripture were that he would like to have read and reviewed with his family. And then the man requested something that really caught the pastor quite off guard. He said, Pastor, I have one more rather unusual request to make. I'd like to have my favorite Bible buried with me. And I'd like to have the Bible opened to Job 19, and where it says, I know that my Redeemer lives. I'd like to have my hand on that page and my finger pointing to that verse. That's what I'd like to have. And well, the pastor said, that's a bit different than what's usually done, but I think that we can, and then interrupted by the man who obviously wasn't done with his request, yet the pastor heard him say, my left hand on Job 19 and my right hand, well, in my right hand, I want to have a fork. And the pastor, not sure that he'd heard right, being quite surprised, said, a fork? Did, did you say a fork? And the older man replied, yes, and let me tell you why. He says, when I was a small boy, and I was back on a farm in Iowa, and we were quite poor. We didn't have fancy china, and we only had limited pieces of silverware. The, the favorite part of every special meal to me, whether it was Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter, whatever it might be, was when after the main course, my mother would look at me and my sisters and my little brother, and she would say, all right, now it's time to clear the table. And then she would smile at us, and she would say those all-important words, and by the way, keep your fork. My favorite part, he said, because then I knew that something really special was coming. Something of real substance was about to be served, not just jello or pudding, but something that required my fork, a cake or a pie, perhaps, or some fancy dessert that would surpass any dessert that my mother had ever made before. And throughout all my years, he said, whenever at the end of a meal, someone would say, keep your fork. These words of my mother would always bring that same sensation of anticipation and excitement. Because whenever I would hear them, that same childhood thought would come to mind. Aha, something great is about to be given me. Now, I could see a palm branch in one's hand, as we see in our lesson for this morning, palm branch would make sense, but a fork, never heard of that. A fork is a symbol of something special to be anticipated, a symbol of confident expectation of something greater yet to come. 
be it a fork, a palm branch, a cross, whatever. Today we celebrate All Saints Day. And that's our day. It's our day, as our text says, to give thanks to the Father who has already qualified us to share in the inheritance of his saints in light. Your day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Saints of God, by virtue of the blood of Christ and the faith that he's given and the faith by which he set us apart, let us now come before the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the power of the Holy Spirit, praying for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. We pray. Blessed are we to be called your children, O Lord, and to be numbered among your saints having been preceded and surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, teach us also to run with endurance the race that you have set before us. And keep, we pray, our eyes ever fixed upon Christ Jesus, whose blood and whose word has made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance that belongs to your saints. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Most gracious God, we do not forget those who have finished their course of faith and now rest from their labors. We remember with love those dear ones and friends who confessed your name on earth and who now sing your praise in eternal glory. We thank you for their time among us. May their earthly confession of the blessed Savior remind us of his goodness and his promise of life eternal that awaits all who confess his name. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dearest Jesus, adored by angels and archangels, and yet our very own flesh and blood. You have promised to be with us to our old age. Hear the prayers of all who in latter years call upon you for needed strength of body and mind and soul. Continue to guide and protect and watch over everyone whose long life has been blessed by you. Let your word of promise, which has sustained us on the way, be our last and highest comfort in this world and your word of welcome, the first of endless comforts in the world to come. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the nations, bless ours with elected and appointed leaders who will seek humbly to serve the common good. Grant wisdom and godly discernment to our president and Congress and judiciary and those in our state and local governments. Shield from harm the members of our armed forces who serve in combat zones and Permit them a safe return to awaiting family and friends. Give productivity to honest businesses, an abundant crop to growers, and thankful hearts to the people of this land for the blessings you've provided to her. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Tender Father, you have bid us cast every care upon you because you dearly care for us. According then to your good and gracious will, Regard and visit the lonely. Console those who mourn. Be the confidence of all who are persecuted. Remember those who have been forgotten. Provide direction to those who wander. Instill hope in those who despair. Embolden the faith of those who doubt your desire and determination to deliver them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant also patience to each of the infirmed or homebound members of this congregation. Send healing as well to the sick or those recovering, including Ginny Mulhern, who gives thanks, as do we with her, for successful surgery this past week. Be also with Ali Becker, who undergoes treatment, and with all other members and loved ones whose names are not here spoken aloud, but also who undergo tests and await results and treatments and procedures. In all of our griefs and sorrows, remind us as saints of yours who feebly struggle here below, that what we will be has not yet appeared, but when it does, we will in glory shine. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all those who partake of the Lord's Supper this day, that receiving your Son's very body and blood in faith, they may receive this blessed food unto its intended goal, the forgiveness of our sins, and the strengthening and sustaining of our faith toward you and our love toward each other. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. On earth and in heaven, the countless host of your saints does praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For you have created us, redeemed us, and still you sanctify us. We ask that you receive now the prayers of your people and grant our requests as you see fit and good for us. To you alone be all glory and majesty and praise. For you live and reign, one God, now and for eternal ages to come. Amen. The Lord be with you. salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you holy Lord Almighty Father everlasting God in the communion of all your saints gathered into one body of your son you have surrounded us with so great a cloud of witnesses that we encouraged by their faith and strengthened by their fellowship may run with perseverance the race that is set before us and together with them receive the crown of glory that does not fade away Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Spirit, that we may attain steadfastness of faith and patience. Grant us your grace and power as we give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.